Straight from Music City, Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover, a podcast for future-ready librarians. This podcast, called Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover, a podcast for future-ready librarians, focuses on changing the perception of school librarians, improving instructional practices, being a collaborative partner, and essentially just really great library talk. I'm Alyssa Littrell, District Librarian for Metro Nashville Public Schools, and I'll be your host today. A few weeks ago, we had the opportunity to play with Ozobots, and it was so much fun. Ozobots are these programmable, really small, cute little robots that you can code using markers. It's a great way to introduce coding, and there are so many ways to integrate these into any lesson. I had so much fun learning how to make these work, and I think y'all should check them out. If you get a chance, borrow them from our Exploratorium, or if you're outside the district, check it out on their website. This week, I talked to Chelsea Guttery. Chelsea is a code.org facilitator and a computer technology teacher at Lincoln Heights Middle School in Hamblin County, Tennessee. This is her eighth year in education. She has a bachelor's degree from Tennessee Tech University in elementary education, a master's degree in educational leadership from Carson Newman University. Chelsea has been passionate about computer science since she was a middle schooler and loves sharing her passion with both students and teachers. In her spare time, she loves traveling with her husband James and daughter Eleanor. Now, there's a few things that Chelsea's official biography left out. One, she has the most amazing big sister, me. You should never talk to her in the morning unless you're sure she's fully caffeinated and has had at least one iced coffee. If you need to get on her good side, bribe her, whatever, feed her chocolate. And she is so passionate about the importance of coding in students' lives. She talks to me all the time about this and I was so excited to get to record her for this podcast so the world can hear her passion too. So y'all please sit back and enjoy this sister edition of Don't Judge a Book by its cover. So Chelsea to start tell us about your background in education. This is my eighth year of teaching. Um, I started my career in Clarksville where I taught third grade and fifth grade all subjects and then I moved to Morristown, Tennessee, where I taught fifth grade math and science, and then seventh grade math, and now in, still in Morristown, I teach sixth through eighth grade computer technology. Thank you. So what's your favorite book? My favorite book is more of a series, and it's the Red Queen series by Victoria Aveyard, and um, it's just one of my favorite books because it's got a very strong female character, and I really like it. That's a YA series, right? Yes. Do you have another favorite book that you want to mention? Harry Potter. The Harry Potter series was the first book that, first first book series that uh, got me hooked on reading, and now I am listening to the audiobooks with my seven month old daughter. What's a normal morning look like for Chelsea Guttery besides that you get to school way too early? <laughs> Well, I get to school a little bit later now than I used to. I used to get to school about 6.15, but now I get there about 6.45 in the morning, and I like to drink my coffee, and then I put up whatever standards and objectives I'm doing that day, and then here lately I've been going to bus duty, <laughs> um, but normally I kind of sit in my room and just kind of chill and just prepare for the day. 
my first class isn't until um, 8.05, so. So, Chelsea, can you explain to our audience what Our Parents' Basement, Mountain Dew, and MySpace have in common? Well, I was a teenager, and um, MySpace had just come out, and so to be to have a really cool MySpace page and Zanga Journal, you had to learn how to code. And so, being in my parents' basement and drinking Mountain Dew, that is how I learned how to code. Would you say that's when you first started, like, your love of computers, computer stuff? Well, I've always been in, really into computers. Um, I remember very vividly when I was around five, we got our first computer. And, I mean, we really couldn't do much on it but play that the bounce game where you have to bounce the into the bricks and do all that oh <laughs> I don't know what it's called but. but um and then I grew I mean we grew up with technology my mom our mom well whatever our mom is a CIO <laughs> and um so I just developed Which, a love of technology and then I remember being in second grade and they would call me out of class to fix projectors and computers and so I've always loved technology, but computer coding, um, specifically with HTML, was when I really developed a passion for it. And when you had the coolest MySpace page. And Zynga Journal. And Zynga Journal. Can't forget that. All right. So since students don't have the privilege of um, using MySpace anymore, why is coding so important for students to learn? Well, computer science, first of all, is one of the top growing fields in the United States. And based on the last data I looked at, in Tennessee alone, there's going to be an estimated like 50,000 jobs available in computer science in the next couple of years. And so it's more than just sitting behind a computer. It's the future. It teaches computational thinking. So I know you're really involved with Code.org, and you just became a facilitator. So how did that relationship start, and can you tell us a little bit about Code.org? Code.org, their fundamental belief is that anyone can code, regardless of your age, your gender, um, anything. Anyone can code. And they built this whole program with the belief that anyone can teach computer science. And that's something that I firmly believe in. So I started with code.org with doing the Hour of Code and the on that Elsa and Frozen. Um, you started that with me. You brought it home and I remember you were getting really frustrated with the snowflake. And <laughs> <laughs> I still can't skate a snowflake with Anna and Elsa. <laughs> and um, I think it was like 2013 that you had brought it home to show during Christmas. And I got really into it, introduced it to my third graders in Clarksville. They loved it. Then when I moved in Morristown, I kept doing the Hour of Code. And I even still did Anna and Elsa in seventh grade math. Um, And the kids actually really liked it. Then the computer teacher at my current school retired. And I had the opportunity to kind of revamp the program. And I found that code.org has a professional development training that you can do, and that's what I did. And I fell in love with that, and then I applied to be a facilitator for them, and now here I am. And so now you teach the classes that you took? And now I teach, yes. So I teach what's called Computer Science Discoveries, 
which is 6th through ninth grade curriculum, and I teach it to 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. So this is a podcast for librarians. So let's talk about your relationship with your librarian, Kathy. How much do you love her, and how do you work together? Kathy is beyond amazing. <laughs> uh, we hung out on vacation together recently. That's how close we are. Um, her her office is right next to my room, and she and I work very hand like closely, like hand in hand together. Uh, we help each other. I help her with her makerspace, and she helps me. Um, with like digital escape rooms and we just kind of bounce ideas off of each other and we just we help each other to kind of seamlessly integrate technology into our schools. Flip first I love that you have such a great relationship with your librarian because I know you hear me say how important librarians are to schools Um, but so let's flip the script for a minute and let's say what should a librarian say to their teachers to get them on board with coding? Well, coding teaches more than just computer science. You teach problem-solving skills. You teach computational thinking. You teach children to persevere, which is something that every student needs to know. And when they start developing these skills, then you're going to find out uh, the other subjects become easier for them. And so I think it's just a really good selling point that anyone can teach computer science. And computer science is more than just sitting behind a computer. You know, the whole first unit of CS Discoveries is actually unplugged, which means we don't have any computers at all that we use. We are strictly focused on problem-solving skills. Let's say that a librarian is too intimidated to start implementing coding, what would you tell them? I would first ask them what part that they're intimidated by. Is it the not the background in computer science or just not knowing where to start? And then I would say, you know what? You just gotta try. Um, There's lots of resources out there. Code.org actually has what's called a teacher forum. So as you're preparing to teach these courses, if you're a verified teacher, you can go to the, the code.org teacher forum and there's all these implementation ideas and how to help you and how to understand what's going on. And it's just a really good community that they have built within their programs. Um, also just, I mean, like I said, start with an unplugged lesson. You know, don't you don't have to have a computer out to be coding. They have so many other opportunities that you can use and so many other things that you can use without just a computer. What's the best way for a teacher or librarian to start small with coding? To just start. That's the best way. I mean, there's so many resources besides just code.org, but um, just even start with just the hour of code. It's called hourofcode.com and you click activities and there's a ton of activities on there that you can do. Just start there. And you'll be surprised with how interested your kids are. If you're resistant or you have teachers who are resistant to doing Hour of Code, Mm -hmm. because we know how great that and what a great start that could be. But if you are getting pushback, um, what would you say to teachers or librarians? But I know you're coming from a teacher perspective to say like you, this is such a great just one hour. Okay. Well, I would start by, so code.org, if you Google um, code.org 
TN computer science facts. It's going to pull up this whole support K-12 computer science education in Tennessee fact sheet. And that's what I would start with. Because it says something like, Computing occupations are the number one source of all new wages in the United States. But only 45% of U.S. high schools teach any computer science courses. And then it says... 67% uh, of all the new jobs coming into STEM, like all the new STEM jobs in the United States, are computing. There are in computing. In Tennessee, currently, they have 5,375 open computer computing jobs right now. And then I'll talk about salary-wise. Like, do you want your kids to have a better future? Because starting salary for computer science in Tennessee, $79,000 a year. Dang. So that's what I would talk about. And also, pull in more facts for the parents. 90% of parents in Tennessee want their child to study computer science. 90%. I said there's like a lot of unplugged activities, and then of course there's like computer activities, but are there any makerspace activities that you really like um, that uses coding? Oh yeah, Kathy... Well, it's not really coding, but it's circuits, which have some, it's just kind of similar in that you have to have like a, a pattern and you have to have a closed circuit. It's, it's like with coding in that you have to close out all of your stuff for it to work. Um, anyway, but Kathy has circuits out there that are really cool. We also have um, Dash and, we have Dash and Q, which are robots um, that the kids can interact with and use. We have Spheros. Um, the Ozobot actually uses markers to code with, so again, no computers. You just literally have your, your little robot, and you have markers. Um, Makey Makeys are, I mean, I wouldn't say they're coding per se, but they're, I mean, you it just does take some skill to be able to program them. I mean, anything. Um, and you kind of, so you kind of touched on this already, but what should librarians know about the new state standards in computer science Tennessee just adopted? Well, like I said, the digital readiness standards K-5 are meant to be implemented in all subjects, and that's kind of what we're working on. Six through eighth, um, it's a little bit trickier, but they can still be implemented. Uh, I know the PD that I led this summer with the TSIN, the STEM Integration Network, um, I focused on an ELA lesson and how to integrate the digital readiness standards into ELA, which I know the participants were really surprised at, but it's very easy to do. Um, also, you know, Tennessee is working on their computer science draft plan, which is going to be really amazing for Tennessee, and it's going to be great for our future. In what ways? Well, I can't go into specific details about the draft plan because it is a draft plan. I can't, I can't talk about it. That the future of coding in Tennessee is going to look different than it has in the past? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Um, so how much longer is it going to take before I convince you to become a librarian? I am going to stick to letting Kathy do that. She is amazing and she has way more patience than me. Do you think it takes patience to be a librarian? Uh, yes. <laughs> on her for a minute because she works so hard to get all subjects in the library, not just ELA. And she works hard to like plan lessons and integrate technology in her lessons. And she has maker spaces. They got maker challenges. 
And even to get the kids interested in reading, she has a guess who's reading, and she takes off, like she cuts off the head of a picture, and it's a. But I know it's funny, but it's a it's a teacher holding up their favorite book, and the kids get to guess who that teacher is, and if they get all the guesses right, they get to win a special prize, and they get to have lunch in the library with their friends. It's really cool. Have you, has anybody guessed what you're reading? Yes, of course. I chose the Red Queen series. And so, um, when she took my picture, though, I was pregnant. And so the kids knew automatically it was me. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't very secretive. No, but it's okay. So this is our last question. Um, This podcast is called Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover, a podcast for future-ready librarians. But we also know it's hard work. What advice do you have for school librarians, especially those that want to change the perception of librarians? Uh, I think marketing yourself within your school. Like, if, if you have teachers who won't go into the library, you go to their classrooms and you work with them. And, and Kathy, is, she just does such a great job. Like, I already touched on this, but, like, she works with science and works with math and works with social studies I'm like okay now how do we get them in the how do I get them in my library and she works with them and integrates lessons with them and really talks to them develops that relationship which is something that I think all librarians need to do you need it doesn't need to be a scary space or doesn't need to be like you're stuck in your library all the time go out advertise